Ever since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade on June 24th of this year, the landscape has changed dramatically. Some have described this as the curse having been broken over America. Welcome to Generations Radio. I'm Adam McManus, in for Kevin Swanson. Today, my guest is Alan Parker. For 29 years, he's been the president of the Justice Foundation that advocates for children in the womb and advocates for children through school choice. You can learn more about their fine group at thejusticefoundation.org. What stood out to you about Samuel Alito's majority opinion of the Dobbs case? The Constitution, by any honest reading, never included a right to abortion. Even liberal law professors criticized Roe v. Wade for being raw judicial power, not based on history or a proper legal analysis. Can you cite those two amendments that reference life? The Fifth Amendment, which was passed in about 1781 as the part of the first Bill of Rights to the Constitution, the people amended it. It says no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. So that was a restriction on the federal government. The 14th Amendment, after the Civil War, we put restrictions on the state because they were denying legal protection to African Americans. And it says the same thing. No person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. So there is a right to life in the Constitution. What did that mean when the people adopted it? One of the great briefs in the Dobbs case was by the Billy Graham Association, and they cited all the laws at the time that said it is a crime to perform an abortion on a woman with child. That was the phrase they used. Hmm. When are you with child? As soon as the sperm and the egg come together. They use the phrase with child. When you're pregnant, when there's a baby inside you, you're with child. There's a child in you. It was a crime to kill that child even before birth. So that's what people meant by life. They knew life began inside a woman's body. doesn't begin when the baby comes outside. The women can feel the baby moving. Even before you had sonograms where we could see it much earlier than that, everybody knew where babies come from. A man and a woman come together, there's an exchange, and both the father and the mother's genetic footprint in the DNA come together to create a new, unique, living human being. By the way, we represented, in the Dobbs case, the first formerly frozen human embryo to ever file a brief at the Supreme Court. Her name was Hannah. She was conceived in in vitro fertilization. She was frozen for two and a half years, and then she was adopted by another couple and placed in the mother's womb. She was born, but she was alive for two and a half years in a frozen state, and that shows you that life can be viable outside the womb, even at the moment of conception with today's technology. And even Roe said, after the child is viable outside the mother's womb, albeit with artificial aid, the states are free to ban abortion. So we made that argument. The court didn't use that argument. Alito just said, there's nothing in the Constitution about a right to abortion. The Supreme Court made it up. We're going to correct our own error and now set the record straight. Alan, the Biden administration is not taking the overturning of Roe v. Wade lying down. He has authorized his defense secretary, Lloyd Austin, to look at paying for the abortions of members of the military and their dependents 
to skirt around the pro-life protective laws in at least 20 states. What do you make of it? I think he's no better than George Wallace standing in the schoolhouse doors after the Supreme Court said segregation must end because it's a horrible thing to do to people. And George Wallace said, no, no, no. We're in a kind of a cold civil war. We're in the de-abortioning of America because the Supreme Court has said there is no constitutional right to abortion. And yet some of the states and the federal government under Biden are resisting that. To be clear, though, can the Biden administration do this? Can they pay for abortions of members of the military and their dependents in military installations in pro-life states that have outlawed abortion since Roe v. Wade was overturned? I'm not aware of anything that prevents them from doing that at the current time as it's for members of the military on federal basis. We have a federal government, we have state governments, off the base, state law controls, but on the military basis themselves, federal law tends to control. Though there is supposed to be some comity or friendship between the states, and generally, the federal government does not go against state law in any other area. So there could be some common law doctrines that say even then the federal government can't engage in things that are crimes in the state. And in Texas, abortion is now a crime. It is the crime of murder. And that should not ever be allowed on federal property because there's a safe haven law for every woman. She can simply relinquish her child in Texas to a hospital or fire station within 60 days of birth, no cost. It's free, unlike abortion. It's free medical care. And it terminates the pregnancy with the live birth of the child. And then she doesn't have to care for the child. There are one to two million women every year waiting to adopt newborn children. There are tens of thousands of those in Texas. So we can help the woman without killing the child and hurting the women, as the thousands of women I represent who had abortions know. And they ask the court, please don't do this to women. And the court has listened to those women. So this is a terrible thing for the federal government to be doing to kill children, injure women, and go against the state's wishes as to what the law should be in their state. According to this LifeNews.com article by Stephen Ertelt, he writes, Current law in effect since 1996 prohibits the performance of elective abortions by Department of Defense medical personnel and medical facilities. The Hyde Amendment also prohibits taxpayer funding for abortions in the military, with exceptions for cases of rape, incest, or risk to the mother's life. So if the Biden administration moves forward with using taxpayer money, even on military bases, which is considered federal property, it would seem to be illegal and there might be a basis for a legitimate lawsuit. There have been 160 attacks on churches and pro-life pregnancy centers by these pro-abortion terrorists. Only one arrest has been made by the FBI and a very belated $25,000 reward leading to the arrests of other pro-abortion terrorists. Obviously, there was an intentional refusal for the longest time by the FBI and the Department of Justice not to investigate these crimes, which really should come as no surprise given the Biden administration. What can be done, in your view, to force the now woke FBI to enforce the law and protect these pro-life centers and churches? What's your legal opinion? I've been thinking about this quite a lot, and it is a deep subject, and I compare it again to the desegregation of America. 
Keep in mind, segregation was the official policy of the United States from 1896 to 1958, which was 58 years. And why was it the official policy? Because the Supreme Court of the United States said segregation was okay thing to do. It was the law of the land. It was settled. Separate but equal was okay when the Constitution said you were supposed to get equal protection of the law. Okay, then in 1954, the Supreme Court reversed its own 58-year-old precedent and said we were wrong. And now the Supreme Court of the United States has reversed its own 49-year-old precedent of Roe v. Wade saying we, the Supreme Court, were wrong. There is no constitutional right to abortion. Think about it. It took 10 years to desegregate America, to go from segregation was the law of the land in 1958 to 1964 when we passed a national law outlawing segregation. All right. So we're in that period. It's going to be turbulent. There's going to be people who ignore the law and want to continue what we call a crime against humanity, which is when the government withdraws legal protection like they did from the African-Americans in slavery and segregation. And as they've done to the child in the womb, they've withdrawn legal protection from a whole class of human beings. Okay. Now, Keeping that in mind, what if they're not enforcing the laws for the protection of pregnancy resource centers and churches, just like they didn't protect blacks in the South during this period of segregation? There is generally prosecutorial discretion on an individual case to decide, are we going to prosecute this or not? If someone is killed, even if they have a suspect, they don't always charge the suspect because they think, well, we don't have enough evidence to convict beyond a reasonable doubt. So we're going to investigate longer. So there has to be some prosecutorial discretion. But if the Department of Justice is doing to pro-lifers what the government officials did to African-Americans in the past, then you can have a pattern or practice lawsuit. You can't raise it as an individual defendant. Well, that guy did it and they didn't prosecute him, so you can't prosecute me. No, but you can say they are pattern and practicing discrimination against churches and pregnancy centers. And as a result, we need an enforcement action against that entire in the past, it would have been, say, a police department in the South, which wasn't protecting black. Well, you might get a federal monitor to take over that department. You might get a reporting requirements that has to be done. There can be, upon the establishment of a pattern and practice of discrimination, a takeover of that government agency. And that's what needs to happen to the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the Department of Justice. Congress could set up a mechanism like that to make sure that the right to life is protected and that the right to be pro-life, your First Amendment's right to argue for pro-life conditions, to help women as pregnancy centers do, to be free from death threats and intimidation and being shot because the government officials don't want to enforce the law to protect you. There are equitable remedies, they're called, where the courts can even create remedies to overcome systemic discrimination, as we see going on right now. Sadly, the FBI has been viciously attacking pro-life activists. One such incident was the pre-dawn guns-drawn arrest of Mark Houck with about 30 FBI agents. He's a devout Catholic, father of 11, charged with violating the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act. 
the FBI had drawn their guns in front of his 11 children. I mean, this is crazy. And prior to this, the Pennsylvania state law enforcement officials had concluded that Mark Houck had not broken any laws. This is obviously a blatant weaponization of the Department of Justice. Mark Houck's only offense, if you can even call it that, was trying to protect his 13-year-old son from a rabid pro-abortion so-called escort who was cursing and swearing at his son as they were simply encouraging the pregnant women who were walking in to get a scheduled abortion to choose life. This pro-abortion escort was threatening to physically attack the young man. Thankfully, on January 30th, the Philadelphia jury acquitted Mark Houck of all charges. Had he been found guilty, though, Mark Houck would have faced 11 years behind bars and a $350,000 fine. Clearly, this was a discriminatory case, harassment from day one, as the Thomas More Society executive vice president said when the victory came down. What are your thoughts on the Mark Howe case? The Department of Justice has lost cases before. They've been chastised. Mark can turn around and sue for the violation of his civil rights, and I hope that he does and that he is vindicated and recovers damages against the federal government. We've got to rein in the current Department of Justice. In that case, the local attorney was being pressured by the National Civil Rights Office. They have indicted 22 peaceful pro-life advocates the FBI has, while simultaneously only arresting two of these pro-abortion terrorists, the scales are obviously weighted in the wrong direction away from justice. The agenda of the Biden administration, Alan Parker, could not be more clear, could it? It sadly could not be more clear. We have the civil right to speak out, to pray in front of clinics, to not block the sidewalk or the entrance, but to be there as a witness before God and man, before heaven and earth, that this is the taking of the human life and to try to encourage people with alternatives. One of the greatest alternatives is the safe haven law, which the abortion industry never talks about because it's a free alternative to the woman's problem who says, I can't take care of a baby or I don't want to take care of a baby. All 50 states will receive the child who is voluntarily surrendered by the mother at no cost unlike abortion, without any legal procedure of termination of parental rights. She simply can safely surrender the baby at a hospital or fire station in Texas. Those are the places, and that's 60 days after birth. So a woman doesn't have to travel to another state to be free of the burden of parenting a child if she doesn't want. We put these arguments in our brief, and two of the arguments that I've talked about today were mentioned by the Supreme Court in the oral argument and were written about in the final written opinion. That is that abortion is as bad as segregation and that there's a safe haven law today which eliminates all burden of parenting a child. There is still the burden of pregnancy, which is some months, but if you're low income even, the only financial expense of pregnancy is the medical bills. 50% of the hospital births in Texas are already paid for by Medicaid. Any low income women in Texas can have the state pay for their medical care, prenatal care, delivery, and even some postnatal care for the woman. You're listening to Generations Radio. I'm Adam McManus, in for Kevin Swanson. 
My guest today, Alan Parker, president of the Justice Foundation. You can learn more at thejusticefoundation.org. That's thejusticefoundation.org. When we come back, I'll ask Alan about the Stacey Abrams-Oprah Winfrey controversy. We'll be right back after this. You know, busyness has a way of creeping into our lives. As dads, it can leave us longing for moments of one-on-one time with our sons to simply talk. And those moments can be tough to come by. I get it. That's one of our top goals for our annual summer father-son retreat in the Colorado mountains. To provide quality time for you to connect with your son, can you think of anything more important for your schedule next year? If you are looking for an opportunity to bond, to really bond with your son, then join me, Kevin Swanson, and hundreds of other fathers and sons from across the country next August. But be sure to register soon because we max out the camp every year and we're already filling up. Go to coloradofatherson.com today and choose one of the two weekends available before they are full. Lord willing, I will be there and it will be a great opportunity to meet you and your son. This is your chance to secure the lowest price for this event. So go to coloradofatherson.com and register today. Welcome back to Generations Radio. I'm Adam McManus, in for Kevin Swanson. My guest is Alan Parker, president of the Justice Foundation here in San Antonio, Texas. Stacey Abrams, the gubernatorial candidate in Georgia, the Democrat, who has been heralded as the second coming of Christ, as it were, by Oprah Winfrey, she said, you can't divorce being forced to carry an unwanted pregnancy from the economic realities of having a child. We don't have the luxury of reducing it or separating them out. Having children is why you're worried about your price for gas. It's why you're concerned about how much food costs. So in other words, Alan Parker, Stacey Abrams is saying that abortion is morally justified to help combat the rise of gas prices and your budget. You know, that's particularly sad for someone of color like Stacey Abrams to be saying when it's basically saying the way to eliminate poverty is to eliminate poor people. Let's kill all their children. That's what people said about African-Americans or uh, Indians in this country at one point. We treated a class of human beings as less than human to our great shame as a country. Abortion is a shame on America. Someday it will be unthinkable. And notice she says there's no separation But she ignores the safe haven law, which completely separates the burden of caring for the baby from the woman's future, meaning under the safe haven law, which all 50 states have, she does not have to parent the child in the future. If you don't want to have a baby or if you think I can't have a baby, you can simply relinquish your child at a hospital or fire station within 60 days of birth. It's free. You don't have to come up with $1,000 or so for an abortion. You don't have to go through a legal procedure. Just drop the baby off, no questions asked, and you can be free without being charged with criminal neglect or abandonment. You have that option. Alan, the Justice Foundation was directly involved in the arguments presented during the Dobbs case. Tell us about that. I represent thousands of women hurt by abortion 
In the Dobbs case, we put over 4,700 legally admissible written testimonies of women hurt by abortion, and they were calling on the court, please don't let this tragedy for women continue. It hurts us to take the life of our own child. And we didn't have this social safety net in the 70s. Texas was the first safe haven law in America under George W. Bush. Now, every state has one. We can help women be free of the burden, if it's a burden for them, without killing the child and injuring the woman. That's the way forward to end the abortion wars and make abortion unthinkable in America. I think this is an issue that the churches should speak out more on, as well as the homosexual and transgender insanity. The Democrats today are obviously the party of infanticide and child mutilation with this transgender fantasy. Therefore, this is not a party that any true Christian could vote for. Is that your conviction as well? Well, as my personal opinion, I do not believe a Christian could support the Democratic Party. That is correct. As a biblical, theological, comparing the party platforms of the two parties, I don't believe that a Christian who believes in the Bible could support the Democratic Party today. That's my personal opinion, not necessarily the Justice Foundation does not endorse candidates, but we do encourage people to vote and vote their values. Our Constitution is fit for a moral and religious people. It's totally unsuitable for any other, said John Adams, one of our founders. And it's the duty of Christians to prefer Christians. If you want a just society, you should put people in office who can identify justice. And killing children is one of the greatest injustices in the world today. Let's reflect on how important President Trump's Supreme Court nominations were in terms of overturning Roe v. Wade. Can it be overstated how important President Trump's presidency was just from the standpoint of seeing Roe v. Wade overturned, Alan? They did not overturn it because President Trump appointed them to the court. But the kind of people he appointed to the court are constitutionalists. People who believe the judge's job is to interpret the Constitution the way it was intended by the people who adopted the Constitution, therefore giving legitimacy through the consent of the governed to our government. He did not put on the kind of judges who think the Constitution means what we think it ought to mean, and therefore we would live under an oligarchy, a rule by a few, if your judges think the Constitution means what judges say it means. So it was incredibly important for him to get three judges. I believe it was an act of God. I don't know any other president in modern history who stood on the stage and said, I am going to get two or three judges who will vote to reverse Roe v. Wade. They did not do that in payment to Donald Trump, but he knew, as we knew, as any constitutionalist would know, there is no right to abortion in the Constitution. At the time of ratification, abortion was a crime in almost all the states. You can't say the Constitution, which is built on the consent of the governed, gives you a right to kill a child. In fact, there's a right to life expressly mentioned by word, by name, by the phrase life in both the Fifth and the Fourteenth Amendments of the Constitution. So if you're a constitutionalist, you would say, yes, the right to life is protected by the Fifth and the Fourteenth Amendment. If you just want to make up anything you want as liberal judges did, and as mostly Democratic judges, the Democrat philosophy is the law is whatever judges say it is. The Republican philosophy, or what I think is the proper rule of law, the law is what the properly constituted authority says is the rule for all people, 
and then judges is simply to apply that law to the facts of a particular case. Well, that he based it entirely on the Constitution, none of his personal opinions. He just simply said, this is what the Constitution says. This is what the people who ratified it intended. And why is that important? You know, people say, oh, we should not be bound by the past. We have an amendment process. We've amended the Constitution 27 times. But who should be amending it? The people of the United States, not judges who simply say, we're going to modernize it. My view is that God providentially brought Donald Trump into office as our president for the express purpose of appointing Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. Now, Republican Senator Ted Cruz of Texas, in his excellent book, One Vote Away, made the point that many Republican presidents over the years had terrible picks. Sandra Day O'Connor, David Souter, etc. That is why in the future, all conservatives should be watching that closely. God willing, the Republicans can take the presidency back in 2024 because they've missed out on many of those picks in the past. That's right. And Trump was the first Republican president who had the courage to stand on the say that his judges would reverse Roe v. Wade, meaning if they applied the Constitution properly, that's the result that should have been done. I represented the Jewish Pro-Life Federation in this case, Dobbs, that we've been talking about. And it was the first time the Jewish voice was saying Judaism was the first religion to outlaw child sacrifice. God never intended that we sacrifice our children to the gods. That's demonic powers who want you to sacrifice your children to gods, to them. We believe that Jesus Christ came to give us all eternal life. We've talked about abortion. It's not the unforgivable sin. At our Justice Foundation website, there are resources for you. If you've paid for an abortion as a man, if you participate in abortion as a woman, there's free abortion recovery programs where you can get the help, the healing, and salvation that you need and that God desperately wants to give to you. That website is thejusticefoundation.org thejusticefoundation.org. Alan Parker, president of the Justice Foundation, thank you for your good work. Thank you for all you do to get the information out to people. You do a mighty service for us all. Thanks, Alan. I'd love to receive your feedback about today's conversation. Take a moment and just send me a sentence or two by email. Adam at theworldview.com. That's Adam at theworldview.com. Until next time here on Generations Radio, I'm Adam McManus in for Kevin Swanson as we lay down a vision for the next generation.